Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we sat down with Anne Charlotte. She's the owner and winemaker for Chateau de la Fontelieu and Chateauneuf de Pop. She produces one of the absolute best Chateauneuf de Pop blancs I've ever had, and all of her wines are great. I hope that you enjoy this show as much as we enjoyed doing it. Don't forget, click subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Cheers. And we're live. And hey, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. <laughs> Great a- to be here. Anne and Charlotte. Charlotte. Uh, my name is Anne Charlotte, but you can call me Anne, Charlotte, Anne Charlotte, Anne Char. <laughs> what do you prefer? Uh, Anne Char is okay. Okay, Anne Char. <laughs> well, welcome. Thank you. I, uh, I got to say, I'm really excited. We're doing a luncheon today, a uh, restaurant down the street. It's... um. I haven't had a chance to taste through your lineup, but what I have had the I chance, did. What I have had the chance to taste <laughs> is uh, that Chateauneuf de Pop Blanc. Oh yeah. And for me, uh, I haven't. I, I'm a huge fan of Rhone. I'm a huge fan of Chateauneuf de Pop. Something that's always been hard for me to gravitate towards is Chateauneuf de Pop Blanc. Uh, there's along the way. I don't know what it is, but some of them coming into the states have been a little subpar. I got to try yours. I fell in love with it instantly. About a month ago, I made a big post about it. Everyone seemed to love it. We sold out as soon as I did, uh, which was not the intention because we like having it around. Uh, but it's a, a beautiful wine, so I'm very happy to have you on today. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I was lucky enough to taste through all the wines. Yeah, I, and Lord have mercy. I will taste them. The best rounds <laughs> that I can recall forever. I mean, wow. I, I was I was blown away by all of them. I was really? just shocked. I'm going to cry. Yeah. And uh, the and the one that you make uh, what kind of made for your daughter, that's kind of interesting, a yes. different take on uh, Chateau Neuf. Mm-hmm. Um, how why did you make tell us about that story? So, um, first you have to know the people who are going to listen this post- podcast has to know have to know that La Fondulou, my domain is a very unique domain. It's 45 acres, one single plot, while Chateauneuf-du-Pape is a very morselated area with a little plot here, another there. So we, it's a single plot. Mm. We are located on the top of a hill, the highest point of Chateauneuf-du-Pape, which is not the Everest, of course, but Mm. it's 120 meters above the sea level. I'll let you do the conversion <laughs> because we use metric <laughs> system, but not you. <laughs> and all the vines are planted on a sandy soil and they all are north facing. So those characteristics always give to our wine a freshness, delicacy and elegance that it's not always uh, findable in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. So usually the wine in Chateauneuf-du-Pape are bigger. And with my type of soil, what we call terroir, I am not able to do big wines. So the idea was to always stay focused on this uh, type of uh, freshness and delicacy. You are talking about the cuvee I did uh, on purpose for my daughter. So in fact, the story came back like 20 plus years ago when I was pregnant with my first daughter. 
I have two sisters and my father told me, you know what, we need some testosterone in this family because I feel a little bit lonely. And so uh, I went to the X-ray and then I discovered that I was uh, waiting for expecting a daughter. So my husband and I were super happy. But then when I came to my parents' place and I told my father, you know what, it is going to be a daughter, but I have an idea. <laughs> so this uh, vintage, we decided to do this cuvée to celebrate le, les demoiselles, which in French means the young ladies of La Fondue. So my two sisters, myself, the vines, and the arrival of the new baby. And for X and Y reason, we stopped doing this cuvée, but now my oldest daughter is 21. She's studying in Burgundy, a part of a tasting group. And uh, the first time she came to her tasting group with some bottles of Rhone Valley wines, they all look at her with big eyes. You know, the Tex Avery style of eyes. <laughs> so and say, oh, wow, definitely it's not Pinot Noir. It's a little bit heavy and big. So she came back home and uh, asked uh, my husband and myself, oh, Papa, Maman, can you do something for me, please? And of course, because we have the, are the coolest parents <laughs> in the planet, we say yes. <laughs> so we decided to use only the young vines, 20-year-old vines for this cuvee, which is a blend of Grenache and Syrah and short vinification. That means that we... Uh, stay, we leave the grapes for three, three weeks in a vat instead of four weeks. And there is no oak during the aging process, just to keep the freshness and to have this kind of uh, crunchy wine, if I can say that. Mm -hmm. uh, and my daughter is super happy. You know, in France, I always tell my kids, okay, you're allowed to drink a little bit but it has to be good. So I wanted to uh, <laughs> provide good stuff for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's a beautiful wine because it is. It's like bright and just, you know, it just sings. I mean, that's the thing yes. that I thought about it. It just really uh, connected with me. And I felt like this is a Chateau Neuf I could drink with so many different things. Yes. And the idea also, especially in Florida, where the weather is humid and warm, Sometimes you want a great bottle of red, but with this weather, you say, okay, let's go for a white wine instead of a ro or a rosé. Uh, with this wine, you can drink Chateau Neuf du Pape all year long. You just have to cool it a little bit in your refrigerator and uh, you serve it around, like I would say, 58, 60 yeah. Fahrenheit. And it's perfect. All type of food, barbecue, pizza, simple food and more uh, elaborate food as well, but it goes w very well with everything. And with fish as well. Mm. So and in Florida. And in Florida, of course, of like, you know, cod with a tiny touch of chorizo on the top of it, or you can do some salmon if you have, or crab cakes, that's perfect with crab cakes. Mm. And dishes like that yeah. well you're saying that there was uh you were moving kind of fast there but from what i gather there's no oak in the process right is that mm. what you were saying in this uh, cuvee no oak at all right so it's showing a lot brighter a lot a little more acidity to it it's a little fresher it's perfect for things like that yes florida what's yeah. the abv on that um it's 14.5 which is you know, we are in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. Of course. Yeah. The yeah. ABV is quite higher. It pushes, yeah. But where, with our location, it's really 
So it's mm -hmm. no higher than that. So hmm. A little less alcohol than sometimes in Chateau Neuf du Pape. Well, you have a little higher anywhere, elevation. Uh, yeah, and you were mentioning the freshness and the acidity. You'll see through all the tasting today, you'll see all the wines have this uh, uh, touch of acidity which refresh everything. So you have a nice uh, uh, ageable wine they, they yes. push out. What do you recommend so uh, the best drinking age for them? You know, uh, I like to enjoy life. Uh, so <laughs> people will kill me when I say, kill me usually when I say that. But I'm a girl. When I buy a pair of shoes, I don't want to put it in my closet for 10 years. I like to wear them now. So the wine are enjoyable right now. I cannot give any advice because it's up to people. Some people like old mm -hmm. uh, wines. Some people like them very young. Uh, but I would say that the you can age them for 25 years, 30 years without any problem. And uh, I think that two years is a good uh, amount of time to wait. So right now we are pouring the 20 vintage, so it's ready to, to drink. And it's so wild for me to see 20 vintage on a bottle right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it so is. so crazy. It is so crazy. You're right, you're but, right. But so you did say something a little interesting. Uh, you said that you're using the younger vines on these and you throw out 20 years. So what's the average uh, age of your vines? 65 year old, wow. plus I got a single plot of 100 year old vines. Wow. Yeah. What, uh, so people, uh, you know, I think people get confused with, I mean, a lot of people know what, you know, Chateau Neuf and Cote uh, varietals are, but I think they get like, a little confused with what the Blanc version of the grape varietals that you're using in your wines. Okay, so in Chateau Neuf du Pape, we are allowed to use 13 different grape varieties, seven for the red and six for the white. I use four out of the six for the white. I use Grenache Blanc, Roussanne, Clairette, and Bourboulinque. And don't ask me the two others because I always forget them. So <laughs> I advise you should ask Google. Ask <laughs> Google. <laughs> and ask that's in Google. both the Chateauneuf and the Côte d'Iron. Uh, so no, in Côte d'Iron you can use Marsan and Viognier as mm. well, mm. but not in Chateauneuf. Oh, not you allowed. can't use Viognier no, in no, Chateauneuf. No, oh. no, no oh. Viognier, no Marsan. I didn't. Know I am that. sorry, folks, if I ever told you there was Viognier in a Chateauneuf. No, that's uh, <laughs> not I allowed. Was, I was not wrong. <laughs> and you know. White Chateauneuf du Pape represents less than 5% of the total production of Chateauneuf du Pape. So we are famous for our reds. 95% is red, only 5% is white. And it came back to the Catholic popes who were uh, established in Avignon and then in Chateauneuf du Pape because the wine that they are using for the Catholic mass is a white wine otherwise they can like uh, you know um, it'll come off of their it, robes yes the white <laughs> robes could be like stained with uh, wine ah. so they use white wine so we all of the winemaker we always have a little bit of white mm. uh, because of that and also because people can use it in the red as well we can blend all the 13 varieties, and we can add some white varieties into the red varieties. Of course, it's during the uh, harvest process. Mm -hmm. So we don't blend the juice, co but we co-ferment. Mm -hmm. We can okay. co-ferment white and red together. 
So uh, just pause there for a second. Obviously, we know we're, we're in the wine industry, but for those of us who are uh, just tuning in or, or listening from the restaurant side of the world, why would you co-ferment uh, red to white? Uh, to add, so the people who do that, it's to add a little bit of freshness. So most of the people who are located on the south face of the Appalachian, growing on a very rocky soil where the soil is warm and where the the grapes are very uh, uh, concentrated. Adding a little bit of white grapes inside will bring some freshness. Aromatics. And aromatics mm. and some flowers aromas as well. So it has a, it's a good way to do that. I know that um, they definitely add it for, uh, for color reasons as well. And for color reasons as well. I don't understand that as much. How does that I work? I know that it does, but I don't know how it works. What so. Uh, I mean, I don't do that, so <laughs> I'm not sure that my answer will be super great. Can but we I think call a friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I think it's sometimes the color can be a little bit too uh, big. So if you put some white grape inside, it will change the color a little bit. So lighter the color mm. and bring a type of, especially if you use like Roussanne or Claret, if you look at the skin, it's a bright yellow. So it will bring some, uh, you know, uh, some almost some sparkles into the wine, yeah. if you know what I mean. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes a little more sense. I, I've understood that uh, uh, Viognier gets co-fermented with Syrah a lot of times to add color to the wine. And what are you talking about? <laughs> Why are you it's adding light, a white? It's lighting everything. I like see. It's, it's like Making putting some glitters mm. and sparkles into the, into wine. the wine. Shining yeah. it up, making it pretty. And yes. You, uh, you make three Chateau Neufs, right? Three? So well, I make. Imported, so I should say. You have yeah. uh, three of them. I have the Cuvée Les Demoiselles, mm. then I have my traditional blend, which reflects exactly what is planted on my vineyard. So four grapes Grenache, Syrah, Mourvedre, and Cinceau. Actually, I should say Grenache, Mourvedre, because there's 20% of Mourvedre and 15% of uh, Syrah in my wines plus 5% of Sanso and the mm. rest is Grenache. So 60% is Grenache. Mm. Uh, and then I have this fantastic plot of vines that is called Le Puy Roland. So Le Puy in old French means the little mountain and Roland is the name of the person who planted the vines 100 years ago. And it's a 100% Grenache, 100 year old vines. Wow, 100 year old vines. Yes, yes. Can you believe that they, they've been harvested for hundred time now. Well, I think you said your family has been making wine for a hundred years. Is that correct? Yes, it is correct. So my great grandfather bought the winery roughly a hundred years ago, but we bought this plot of vines a little bit later. Oh. So uh, he wasn't involved in the planting on the, those vines. Wow. So I would imagine 100 year old Grenache, you're probably seeing a lot smaller production off of those. Lots smaller production. Big, big trees. Sure. I mean, the vines are huge, mm. taller than I am, uh, but, and I'm not very tall, so <laughs> that's not difficult. But anyway, a uh, uh, lot smaller production. Yes. So, in average, so this is going to be a little bit complicated because I will use my metric system one more time, but we are allowed to produce 35 hectoliters per hectare. Mm -hmm. To give you a comparison, Champagne is allowed to produce 90 hectoliters per hectare. So we are allowed to produce three times less than they are allowed to produce. Is okay? that the AOC law? It's the AOC mm -hmm. law. Mm -hmm. And so uh, 
with these vines of uh, Puyrolan, when I produce 18, that's a miracle. So we are very happy uh, because they are old ladies. So we are they trellis? Are they bush vine? Are they bush vines? Bush vines. Uh, it's it's by the law we have to bush vine our Grenache in Chateauneuf. The only variety that we can trail um, is Syrah. Is Syrah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because they need a lot of leaves to uh, ripe the grapes, and this is the only variety we can trail. Otherwise, everything else is bush trained. And uh, as far as this Grenache uh, being 100 years old, mm -hmm. it, I mean, is there a life expectancy for Grenache grapes in Chateauneuf? No. No. I mean, they died. They die when they die. When they die, and, mm, like uh, us. Yes, mm. yes. We just take care of them mm. very nicely, but some are very vigorous. You know, you see that they want to to stay longer. <laughs> <laughs> they um, the the one thing I wanted to ask you too was your you said your daughter is working in Burgundy. Yeah, she's studying studying in Burgundy, in Burgundy. Yes. and is she interested in in wine? We'll see. She's going uh. to spend six months in New Orleans for an internship okay. at the Commander's Palace oh. because she wants to become a wine buyer. So we'll see what happens. You know, she's young. I'm young too. Uh, uh, I <laughs> I'm young to, too. Yeah, I don't want to get retired now. So I have another good 20 years to work. Yeah, retirement we'll doesn't sound fun. Vacation sounds fun. Retirement yeah. doesn't Yes, <laughs> you are right about that. Oh, Commanders will be a uh, hell of a place to cut her teeth. That's yes. a that's a tough spot. Yeah, that's a tough spot. <laughs> it was uh, even tougher when Ella was around, right? But uh, so those uh, Grenache, what are they showing like? I haven't I haven't tried that wine. What is the hundred year old Grenache There's putting off? A dimension in the wine which is exceptional. Mm. It's like you have what you expect from a Grenache on again on a lighter style because of our terroir so it's super aromatic dark fruit on the vintage 2020 2019 that we are going to taste today a uh, lot of spices but a tiny touch you know of black pepper white pepper and there's a dimension in the mouth which is just uh, incredible the delicacy as well is uh, perfect Mm. So we've had a lot of really great vintages recently in Chateauneuf. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the last bad vintage you've had? I mean, 16 was unbelievable. Uh, uh, so this will be my answer. Do you have kids or maybe you're too young to have kids? I have, I have a kid. You have a kid? One, two? Uh, she's four and a half. Four and a half. Are you one day going to see her and say, you were a bad vintage? <laughs> no, but you but you have to admit so, there are better so there I won't say better or uh, mm. so or not good. I would say more difficult or less difficult. Sure, that's fair. It's uh, being a winemaker is like being a parent. We expect a new kid every year. So our goal is to wait for the arrival of the new kid, so to have the best grapes as possible. So our job for 365 days a year is to give, to be able to have those great grapes. So we know how to do our job, we know which decisions we have to take to have the best grapes as possible. When I say that there are some more difficult vintage, that is true. 
Sometimes you have rain when it's not expected. Sometimes you have a hailstorm or frost, but we know how to react to that. And when we do the wine, we only use the good grapes, the very good grapes. So it reflects the vintage, of course, but it's never, um, I would say, an issue. And sometimes when the people I'm thinking about 2013 or 2008, where the journalists say, oh, it's not a good vintage in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. Those are among my favorite wines. <laughs> because usually they are more drinkable more approachable and because and you know that as a parent sometimes you feel like your kid is a pain in the ass excuse my french but then you uh, try to educate them and give them their chance and at the end they become fantastic uh, human being and this is exactly what i want to do with the wine to give every vintage its chance to be a fantastic wine being, not a human being, but a wine being. I don't know if that makes sense. It de well, it yeah, definitely yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, sure. And I've I've been uh, uh, very vocal, uh, at least on here and through my career, uh, about our own uh, more difficult vintages. 2011 was shit in California across the board, and I bought every... 2011 for the restaurant that I could and I just stored them because they're they're screaming now beautiful years I guess what I'm getting at is you haven't had too many difficult vintages no, over the last so several. we had two difficult vintages because of the quantity of the crop so it was 17 and 18 I lost 50% in 17 and 50% in 18 in 17 we had a hailstorm mm. on April the no, on June the 23rd, which like damaged the half of the crop. So that was a nightmare. But usually we, we know that it can happen. We are dealing with nature every year. So we know exactly what that can happen. So we are ready for that. But then the next vintage, we had a problem with uh, a lot of uh, rain during the springtime and also uh, coulure. So coulure is the fact that the, the uh, flower drop off. Mm -hmm. So if there's no flower, there's no fruit. So we lost also half of a crop in 2018. So believe me, uh, economically wise, that was tough. Yeah, I like that you say difficult vintages and not bad vintages, right? Just a little bit more work, right? A little bit more. Yeah, we know. know it's again, it's like having a kid. If you if they mm. don't behave the way you want them to behave, you mm. just have maybe change your way of acting with them mm -hmm. and just tell, you know, that you're not allowed to do it. Yeah. Or uh, we, we know how to deal with those problems with experience and we use our brain, which is sometimes is very uh, useful. But we take the good decision at the right time and then we we prepare the, the harvest. In fact, our job as a winemaker, so as a, yes, a, a vine grower mm. is to prepare the harvest. Once the grapes are great for the harvest, then I would say it's le, the easiest part. Yeah. I never thought about putting my old wines in a decanter, and um, that's time out. <laughs> you go in the decanter, that's your time out. Go sit in the decanter. <laughs> so uh, you you lost fifty percent. I said I think you said to hail. Is that right? Yes. Half of the harvest. Hail. Do you do you use hail nets? Is no, a... because it's it was the first time 
we had hail in La Fondulou. Ah. It was the first ever time in uh, all recorded... Uh, all four generations. Yeah. Wow. We are not on the hail corridor. Uh. So uh, it was the first time. Wow. Yeah. And, and you're, you said, if I remember correctly, you said uh, you're the highest elevation in. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of wind. So, you know, we are in the Rhone Valley, so there's uh, the Mistral, it's our wind, which mm -hmm. is blowing from, let's say, Lyon to Marseille, mm -hmm. from the north to the south. And we in La Fondulou are on the top of the hill, so there's nothing which protects us. So we have constantly, constantly some wind, which dry everything. And usually the frost is due by the, um, by, you know, the morning dew or mm -hmm. stuff like that. So we don't have that. And the hail, usually the, the uh, clouds, the hail clouds are pushed back push, push the way, yeah, by yeah. the wind. But so you're not super high, but are, is there some sort of a rain shadow effect? Is that what happens there? As it shoves up, I would imagine that you're getting... So we are not super high, So, but we have wind. Like, yeah. we have wind. It's We don't have more rain than anybody else, but right. sometimes a little less. But we have wind all the time. Which Almost keeps everything. everything nice and dry, I would yeah, think. Yeah, this too. is why yeah. it's, it's mm. I won't say it's easy, but we farm everything organically. There's mm -hmm. no pesticide, mm -hmm. no herbicide, mm -hmm. nothing. And with this mistral effect, it helps us a lot to conduct the vines like that, yes. I love that. No pesticides, no herbicides. You know, people ask those questions all the time to yeah. us, and you know, and mm -hmm. and people don't people don't put it on the bottle all the time because you know that's costly, right? I mean, to yeah. be certified organic and things yeah. like that. But it do is, you certify or no? So in the process to be certified, but I we never use anything sure. since the forty past years. But wow. now I realize that people are asking to have that on the label. Yeah. I, honestly, I don't. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I was about to say something, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I need to change my sentence. So <laughs> it, it doesn't matter to me if it's written or not, as long as I know what the winemaker or the producer is doing. Uh, I drink my wine every day. I don't want to poison myself mm. with bad stuff. Yeah. So right. <laughs> That's a, it's been a hot a hot topic, uh, at least on our podcast, a lot lately. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, yeah. and in store, people are asking for it. And it seems to be, I don't know if it's a trendy thing. I, I hesitate to call it a trendy thing, but people really like seeing that organic thing. And as we interview winemakers from all around the world, but it seems a lot of the European winemakers what are you talking about? Why? We've never you, we've never done that. Yeah, we've what are you never, talking you know, about? We, yeah. Forty yeah. years you've been doing you know it this what? way, and you've yeah. never thought about doing because it. Because it was expensive. Mm. Right. I mean, it is expensive to buy those products. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, when you can't, you don't do that. Don't. And then when you see that the nature is alive, what is important to us is to have a very alive environment. So to encourage the biodiversity. So we have worms uh, underground, we have a lot of insects, we have our own bees, we do honey. So everything to help the biodiversity and to help the, the environment to be alive. Look, if you have a flower in your garden, if everything is dry and there's this poor flower, she feels lonely and she won't stay for a long time. If you have nice grass, a lot of flowers alive, a lot of insects, Next year, we'll, you will have more flowers mm. and it will be more alive. So 
to have an alive environment is vital for the for the vines. Yeah, and farming in general. And farming, farming in, in general. general. Yeah, we've, yeah, yeah. we've talked about that a lot. It seems like uh, we've definitely dove into a lot of biodynamic farming and regenerative farming. We've, we've sought some of these people out who are uh, really big players in it, and we try to promote that a little bit. We Since we learned about it, we went in and, and had some long in the weeds conversations with regenerative farmers and uh, I, I think it's very important and I, I've gotten in a little trouble for saying this but I almost feel like it's kind of a lazy American thing in a lot of ways when we used the pesticides. You, a, lot of, a lot of times you don't even need to use the pesticides. They are just every eight days on a, on a calendar, this is when we do it, this is when we do it, this is when we do it. And so a lot of these people like Chris Benzinger and the, uh, the folks over, uh, the Haas family, they, have, they take a real big uh, stance against this. This is, a, this is terrible what you're doing. You're ruining the uh, ground, you're ruining everything around it. And uh, I think it's important to kind of bring life back to the vineyards and you get a lot happier vines. Those guys are producing phenomenal wines. And there is a reason why a lot of these uh, European winemakers don't certify. It's they've been doing it forever and this is kind of our thing that we've you know does it say organic on the bottle <laughs> yeah it does but that but now we know you know now that we know that's something too that we we can easily lead people into those things like you know when they ask that question well you know it doesn't say but you know here's a family that hasn't done it for 40 years and uh and the wines are delicious so it's very easy for, to pr pr promote your wines just based on the wine not on you know the the farming practices yeah, yeah. yeah. thank you so yeah, much yeah, yeah. <laughs> well we're gonna have lunch here in about 30 minutes so we're gonna I'm have excited to, to try the we're wines. gonna go have to pour some wine right. let's do that thank you guys <laughs> thank you so much for coming on thank you uh, it was a pleasure Fontelup, right or is it Chateau? Is it Domaine? No, it's Chateau de la Fondulou, which uh, means we have a beautiful chateau, yeah. and chateau, la Fondulou means the fountain of the wolf, wow. because hmm. we have a beautiful fountain. It's a natural spring water fountain, and the legends say that uh, all the wolves surrounding the uh, uh, the property used to come and drink at this fountain. This wow. is why it has been named. Uh, after the wolf. Oh, that's pretty neat. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I so. was never afraid about wolf when mm. I was a young kid. Mm -hmm. Not anymore, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that, that was fun, yes. And it's a beautiful place. Well, we can't wait to uh, have lunch together, and we appreciate your time, and thank you for doing this. Merci. All right. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.